0: okay
1: i
2: trust hunter with my life so i'm sure it's working
0: <laughs> i make
2: no comments.
1: hello and welcome to what do you like and where we talk to insert your name here like today the insert you is kevin Putsky, who is my Ooh. lovely fiance's husband
2: Ah! You're That'll be a problem. <laughs> keep, that, keep that, Hunter. Keep it. <laughs> keep that in. We
1: we're off to a great start. <laughs> my lovely says <Piazze's> father. <laughs>
3: yeah, that, right. that one sounds more familiar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I. Oh. Uh, it works. <laughs> it works it works out so we when we were creating this we were trying to create a list of people to who we were going to ask and i happened to mention that i don't even know how it came up we were talking about music and ryan oh, yeah. mentioned how ryan was like music's a whole different like you go if you if you create a whole different world with music you are uh, you know that's next tier level musician yeah. and i mentioned like yeah like pink floyd and I mentioned how Kevin had for his like for some research in college had re- listened and listened and listened and listened to Pink Floyd yeah. so he could learn all of the lyrics cuz you they didn't have it written out back then.
3: Right. And Ryan oh, wow. was like,
1: "Oh, that's freaking awesome. We need to we need to have him on the show." And now we're coming, now we're here. And now here you are.
3: <laughs> I I can tell you that's a painful process. <laughs> what was that word right. back up? Have you, seen, have you
2: seen the movie yesterday, Kevin? No. Okay, do you know the premise? Nope. Okay, so basically it's like this weird alternate reality this guy's in where he's the only person on earth who remembers the Beatles. There's some like blackout in the world. And he, for some reason, is like one of the few people who can remember the Beatles. The Beatles. So he, so he then, and like everything in existence of the Beatles is gone except in his memory. So he has to recreate every song from memory. Why? that sounds kind of well because, because well first he's just like a musician and then he like sings a song for people and they're like did you just write that song he's like no it's the beatles and they're like mm. what <laughs> is that some like indie band what is a beetle <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that sounds like you i didn't realize pink floyd even on like the the album uh artwork they didn't have the lyrics of the songs
3: at, at this point, no, at this point, if, oh. if you, if you wanted to get the lyrics wrong, you got to listen to everything a hundred times over. And yeah. we're talking about, um, pre CD. So mm. you're listening to it on tape or needle or you're you know, backing mm. up, dropping the needle or rewinding constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wore, I completely wore out a copy of a cassette copy of Pink Floyd's, um, final cut. And it was, what it was, was it was my, it was a thesis for a poetry class. Um, one of the English major, one of the sections you had to do was you had to do poetry. And I have never been a huge poetry person, but it was a required part of your degree. And the professor I had at the time said, well, I never really got into poetry when I was your age. Um, He said, so I wrote mine on Bob Dylan and Highway 61 Revisited, the Dylan album from pretty early in mm. his career. And I'm like, oh, he's like, look at the music as poetry. And that got me down the rabbit hole of, well, what would I do? And I thought, well, Pink Floyd. And at that point, the album, The Final Cut, was fairly new. This is 87 or so. So I think the album was released in 85, 86, somewhere in there. And I'm like, well, if you take that as, take that album as a book of poetry, it's an interesting way to look at it. And he said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, you can do that. You will need to provide a transcript oh, of." That oh, no. <laughs> was like, well, that that part that part's more complicated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I remember
3: go back and I, realize the things I got wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well,
2: <and laughs> just like, absolutely. Have you that? have you gone that? back? Have you have you yeah. compared like? Yeah, <laughs> you've gone and done like uh, lyric genius now and compared them to your. Your old
3: yeah, well, Jesus. now you just you just play it on your iphone i play it on you know, right. itunes when i'm driving in the car and the lyrics are just scrolling on the screen I was like, like wow actually, I, yeah. I got that so wrong <laughs> <laughs> and I, actually i was i was impressed at how little really was wrong i mean there were a few things yeah. that it was like you know they them type errors where it's really close mm-hmm. but you still yeah. had the intent so mm-hmm. i feel i feel like i got i got the poetry right for word choice and mm-hmm. we're going to go 90, 95% of the time. It was almost yeah. all right. Wow. I, re- I read back to the paper and the paper's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> i mean david bowie didn't even
1: remember making the white album so you know who yeah. knows what pink floyd's lyric like pink floyd the guys writing it were probably like yeah i'm sure that meant something back then <laughs> well and it's yeah.
3: it's also it's a very very that particular album is a very very topical timely album is written right as right as the falkland war had just happened oh. and so great britain had been involved in the war in the falkland islands and so there's a lot of references to Margaret Thatcher and um, Galtieri, Galtieri yeah. who is the head of Argentina at the time and it's some of those references make made sense then mm. and today mm. it's a lot more like what who are you talking about what? it's
1: yeah it's like a lesson in history
3: like anything like that anything yeah. you take as a snapshot i mean yeah yeah all sorts of different movies
2: uh, oh, you can yeah. look
3: at them and say oh this got made then because of what was going on, but mm-hmm. if you take it out and you tried to make that today, it just doesn't, ign- ignoring changing morals in how you portray relationships or anything like that, just take this and make it today. And it, it doesn't make sense to people. It's just a strange way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So
1: it, it is. It's seeing previous movies, you know, old movies where like, I understand why this is important in yeah. the history of film and the history of society, but boy, oh boy, did it not age well.
3: Yeah, and there's there's some that really haven't. Uh, there are certain directors who I'm not sure would ever have been able to make a movie if they were starting today. Somebody like Mel Brooks. Um, Mel Brooks' know. humor. It, it would be so different, though, if you think yeah. about it. I mean yeah, was he
1: different. was still able to put like okay, some of his like the gags where it's like the uh, the very sexy woman and like wearing basically a see-through dress.
3: Yeah, and it just <laughs> he has so but, many gags that, that you'd have to do them differently, but yeah, you could you'd have to be more well, I shouldn't say more creative because for his time he was astonishingly creative. Yeah.
1: Um, and his his brand of humor yeah. is literally like mile a minute, just throw it at the wall, see what's what sticks and It'll be a classic because some things <laughs> don't resonate with others. Some things do. He's, and,
3: yeah. he's, he's of that, that Robin Williams style as well, mm-hmm. where Robin Williams live shows and things like that were basically, if you watch the movie Aladdin and the genie, yeah. Robin Williams, the genie is literally just what Robin Williams was like in live shows. It's just yes. coming at you so fast that you catch every third one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's Mel Brooks is that same style. Yeah. But there's also the, what, what's cool in Mel Brooks' stuff also is that you have the, there's the long gag, the long joke, okay. where there's something that's just kind of going the whole time. All this other stuff's firing off and there's this piece of just running along and then it hits. <laughs> and you're like, oh, there we go.
1: <laughs> I think like maybe another one. I think Monty Python being yeah. redone because back then they were like I, I would have liked it if they had more female Pythons rather than a uh, Carol cleavage <laughs>
3: oh, if there'd been any I mean any
1: well she was Carol yeah. Cleveland was the unofficial sixth Python right and she was also known as Carol Cleavage, Cleavage because they Cleavage, only right, that's what needed they did. her. Yeah, that's what they needed her for. And she is she is very funny. Like yeah. seeing her in the two sketches she was in and the Holy Grail, she is very funny. But I wish they had done more for her. And I think John Cleese at one point said, "We didn't know how to write for women, so we just yeah, when I we mean, needed a woman, we either dressed up as one or we used her."
3: I think it's Terry Jones. I can never remember which one's one who would always dress up as a woman. And it Terry, was just because. Terry Jones. Yeah, it was just like, well, we need a female character in this, and it was like, okay, well, we don't have any women who work with us.
1: <laughs> Terry, in the dress.
3: You, I, you should, Maria. You should ask Hunter about, about that. It's a, it's a, there's a long honored role in the theater of being the person who fits in the dress. Therefore, I, you're the one wearing the dress on stage.
1: I've seen his plays in high school, so I'll have to ask him about that because I've only seen him in a couple of roles outside of college. Hey,
3: Carrie, Carrie loves that, that reference of Hunter being on stage in a homecoming skit in a dress. Oh. And as he comes across, your parents are all sitting in the audience watching this. He comes across and Carrie, Hunter's mom, is sitting next to another friend's mother yeah. who realizes that it's her dress. <gasps> <laughs> and she's like, huh. I did huh. not and I do not believe she didn't knew. authorize that yeah it was wow. not an authorized loan
0: did the, did
1: the kid of her did her did her kid give Hunter the dress no like without asking or something
3: no I, I think so I don't know it was Haley right who's Jasmine's mom okay mm-hmm. but she didn't know that she didn't know that the dress had gone yeah uh. it, was, it was an unauthorized loan <laughs>
1: unauthorized. Hunter
3: did not keep the dress no
1: no no <laughs>
3: No, we moved him to Taiwan That took care of that. <laughs>
1: anyway, anyway, why we're here is not Pink Floyd or my fiance in drag. In a dress. Or, yeah. or Monty Python in drag. In drag. It is international living and biking. Yeah. So.
3: How the hell did this happen?
1: Well, how, I mean, it's because... If I remember correctly, you worked for Trek and they needed someone in Taiwan, correct?
3: Yeah. Actually, it's, it's my favorite part of the whole, how this started was I, uh, in high school, towards the end of high school, I was, you know, definitely looking for high school to be over. Um, and I had an opportunity to go live overseas as an exchange student. And so I, at 17, I moved to New Zealand for a year, discovered that that didn't suck. It was, it was good. But that also meant because I did that, I had a passport. So when I came back, went to college, I didn't go, I didn't go overseas during college because I'd kind of already done it. I'd done a gap year living somewhere in theory. I was in school, but less said about that, the better. Um, And then when I got my, I got, got my job with track, I can remember being in a meeting and they were talking about this big, product presentation that was going to be happening in Taiwan. And it was actually at that point, uh, the trip went Taiwan, Japan, and China. So it was a you know, big swing to go visit the different, uh, different makers of parts. And it went around and we're talking about who, who needed to go on this trip. And at that point I'd been there, I think a, not even a year and it kind of went through the whole thing it was like okay well we want that person to go you know kevin should go and my boss looked at me and go do you have a passport i'm like yeah and I go, okay kevin's on the trip
0: yeah
3: <laughs> and that started it and i it slowly grew into um i was doing more and more of the international stuff and i was spending more and more time in taiwan and I can remember being in my boss's office one day and he says, you know, uh, dude, we're going over a travel budget for the year and it's expensive, it's a lot of money. And he says, you know, it might be cheaper for you to just live in Taiwan and fly back to the States two or three times a year. Ha, that's good one, Mark. And it was yeah. about, you know, it was a couple of weeks later. He's like, no, just do the numbers on that. Run, run that as a scenario. Okay went through it and I'm about halfway through doing that. And I'm like, he's not wrong. It, <laughs> it might actually be just as effective to have me there. And the big deal was China was becoming a bigger and bigger part of our, our uh, yeah, yeah. operation at that time. And for me to go to China from the States, it's three days of flying, literally three days of flying. And you know, you're just, you're brain dead for at least part of it because you're just trying to get your body to switch around. And when I was living, when I then eventually moved to Taiwan, going to China for a week work was, you know, leave for work on Monday morning, but you go to the airport, come home Friday afternoon, or even you know, Thursday, and you're back home for the weekend. And my, my family has told me that it seemed like I was just not gone. It was just like I was going to work and then I was there. So long way of saying, I started this whole thing out because i was the guy in the room who had a passport and wasn't smart enough to yeah. say no yeah <laughs> so yeah Hunter wow.
1: definitely has a, he he loves he loves to travel i wish things had happened differently yeah. because he was given two big op- opportunities to travel just as i was getting a new job just as i was switching yeah. jobs so it didn't really pan out but he's definitely i think he would always love to go to travel again and um, I'm sure he got that from this experience because you oh yeah I mean you live in Taiwan you and uh, Carrie live in Taiwan right now but Hunter your whole family lived in Taiwan for three years and that and Hunter graduated from an international school in Taiwan so
3: yeah it's it's a one of one of my favorite AST moment or excuse (laughs) me uh, Worcester moments was hunter at the internet hearing about the international uh, the international students thing and they're saying listing all the different schools or all the different countries people have come from and they're saying and there's we have you know one student from taiwan and hunter's looking around like what are those <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's
3: me <laughs> oh. oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's funny you don't, you don't look taiwanese I think that actually got used in a Kilroy sketch once.
2: He he doesn't even look Taiwanese. I'm pretty sure I was introduced to Hunter as like, oh, here's Hunter. He's from Taiwan. I was like, okay. I was introduced
1: to him the same way. He said, (laughs) I'm Hunter and I am from Taiwan by way of Wisconsin. That's a
3: great way of putting it.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) I was like, I need to get to know this guy more. And uh, well, it's it's,
3: what, it's worked out sort of okay for you. It's
1: worked out all right, you know. <laughs> we live together. We have a rabbit. It's all good. Yeah, I don't see anybody <laughs>
3: hopping around. Um, but the whole she's,
1: uh, she's in her she's in her cage area.
3: In her cage, hiding over there. She, the walls cannot hold her.
1: Winter does not hide. <laughs> she waits.
3: She <laughs> wait. She waits. Exactly. Winter is coming. <laughs> <All right. laughs> if, entirely different <laughs> set of references there. She, um,
1: she does like. When, we're, when we go to bed, she doesn't come up with us every time. But if I'm awake a little later, I just hear her feet coming up the stairs. Sits there and waits. Just yeah, waits. She
3: waits. The, the, the whole idea of international business, I, I had the fortune of coming into it in my career at a time when while we had tools like we're using right now to communicate with people, they were not remotely what we're talking about now. It was phone calls. I used to get morning, I'd get a morning bulletin of fax when I was in the hotel in Taiwan, like a faxed list of here's the things we want to cover today. Um, And I can remember sitting at breakfast in the Evergreen Hotel, which is Maria would have seen it when we were, when she was here, it was the big international hotel at the time. And a guy literally had a board with a name written on it and it had a little bell on it. And he'd walk through the breakfast area ringing the bell. And I would hear that bell and you'd be sitting there with your coffee and breakfast and you'd hear the bell and you'd just be like, please let it not be me, please let it not. And you'd see it and be like, yep, that's me. That's me. Gotta but that's where, that's where we were. And it's evolved into, you know, towards the end of my time with Trek, I had an international, international phone number, a US phone number that rang anywhere i was and that was because people were like well how do we get a hold of you and i'm like well you can always send me an email that tends to work pretty well <laughs> but what if i need you right away and it was that that was the blackberry that sat next to my head for an awfully long time and it's it's i was fortunate to enter my career at a time when people really wanted to meet the people they were doing business with and the option for that was face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So it meant that you had to travel to places. And there was, there was a little bit of uh, making sure things were really what they appeared to be, where you had to actually walk through factories and make sure they existed.
2: Oh, um, oh yeah. wow.
1: I mean, I'm sure. So, did you ever show yeah. up to a, like a, an empty lot and they were like,
3: yeah. <laughs> here it is? <laughs> uh, I, did, I did once... Here get taken to a, here in Taiwan get taken to a factory where we're we're driving and driving and I can tell that the person who's driving me at that point because before I drove here we were driving and driving and it's one of those where you're like you can tell that the guy who's driving doesn't really know where we're going and we're starting to think like well maybe this isn't quite quite what we were thinking I don't know and we pull up and we've driven past this place and we stop and go back. And we're like, no, this is, the, this is the number. This is where we're supposed to be. And it is literally um, like a pole barn in a rice paddy. And we drive in and there's, you know, a fence around it. And we drive in, pull around the corner of the fence. And there's a container, like a, a like an ocean-going shipping container sitting next to this pole barn and boxes are being loaded into it. And you look in the pole barn, you're like, oh no, this is the entire factory right here. And I've always, it was one of those places where I was fortunate. It was not the first factory I'd been to in Taiwan because I would have just freaked out and pulled all our stuff (laughs) because I I knew enough to go, okay, this is you know, visually, this is what it is. (laughs) But you went in and looked at what they were doing and you walked in and went, Oh, this pole barn has, you know, three at that point, you know, half million dollars CNC machines lined up inside this pole barn. Uh, Oh, they've got a, Really good CMM table, you know, granite, nice setup, everything's stable. Everything's set up, not just, everything wasn't set up just so that when international visitors came in, mm-hmm. they could point to it and go, hey, look, here's our testing equipment. It was mm-hmm. set up by somebody who was obviously using it. Mm-hmm. And you looked around and went, oh, okay, this place this place is okay. And it is a company that's still, that's still in business today. Yeah. Oh, They're no, wow. longer, no longer a pole barn in a field, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, they're no
1: longer a tent.
3: <laughs> they're no longer a yeah. tent, yeah. They moved up. It's a big top now. It's, um, big top. <laughs> it's, it's somebody who basically this was the start for them to build a factory. Mm-hmm. And wow, opportunity like that is, is everywhere here. So that was mm-hmm. a long way of saying, yeah, it's, I was able to come here and be the person who would walk into places and verify what they were and what they were doing, that they were somebody we wanted to do business with. And that got me here a lot. And it also got me exposed to the culture and made you realize this doesn't suck. This isn't bad.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I mean, when uh, Hunter and I visited you in Taiwan, it's my first time ever being, been, I've ever been to Southeast Asia yeah. or Asia, period. And that, it, it's such, the culture is very similar, but slightly like I want I don't want to say tilted but it's just something doesn't it, doesn't it's like ships passing in the night almost parallel yeah. like the one thing I noticed that was kind of crazy was how fast things got torn down and put back up oh like, yeah like <laughs> a, a, you should come back yeah yeah I know right like it's... a shop would go out of business one day and the next day the new shop is like opened And it's not, and it's like they had their grand reopening that night. It feels like, like, and they're like, we've been here forever. We don't, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. And it's expected that you just, and it's just motoring through. And so if something fails, like a business fails, that's not like, it's not the end of someone's like line. It's not the end of the line. It's just movement and people are just cruising.
3: Taiwan is Taiwan is the, is the rags to riches story writ large. It's, you see all sorts of places like my, you know, factory in a field that these are now, you know, multi-million dollar companies. But for a lot of these people, it wasn't the first one they did. It's, there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fits and starts. There's places that go and come. It it is also a place where uh, longevity is, is honored, is honored and respected. And it is a it's something that is sought after. So you see a lot of places where you'll see something like this is, I can't actually say the name of the chicken place that it was. Let's just say it's something up chicken. And I'm sure it says something different in Chinese, but in English it says, effed up chicken. <laughs> and hey, you're just like,
0: you like,
3: really? <laughs> but that's the name of the place. But and, and on it it says, since 2008. Or 2007, whatever year, and I'm looking at that building, going, "That was a dress shop like a month ago." But
0: you <laughs> they,
3: they nice. want, they want the image of that because I'm sure they had a different location somewhere, yeah. and yeah, but they want to honor that that uh, mm-hmm. that legacy, that longevity part mm-hmm. of it. And it's weird to
1: think there's a
3: lot that. of respect for very, yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. a long time ago. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was recently struck with a, a friend's restaurant um, that he's now not owned it for almost three years. Three years? Two years? It'll be two years. Two years. They've, she's, he's almost not owned it now for two years, and the restaurant will be 15 years old. And in a, in restaurant terms, that is absolutely ancient. Yeah,
1: elder of the restaurant world.
3: Right <laughs> well, they're now. Um, with the cl- so there was a place here called Fingas. It was an Italian restaurant, and it was the first actual Italian restaurant here in Taichung, run by a guy from New Zealand. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Fingas. Um, Fingas. It works. Fingas. <laughs> a great name. <laughs> it works. And it. Uh, it. Cl- he cl- actually closed his dining room just last year, and at that point, he was the oldest, we- the oldest Western restaurant here. Um, and then we started thinking about it and realizing that now Uzo is just about the oldest one left, because there, and I'm not counting things like, uh, there's TGI Fridays here, and TGI Fridays has different. been here, but that's, yeah, that's, that's sort of, there's also the, um, the stuff that's American branded and it is more or less successfully realistic sometimes. Yes franchises survive there yeah and they evolve it's it's like you there there are differences um Mm. but those places are are here and they're i won't say honored but they're they're definitely a part of the culture and when a new american style or european style place opens it gets tons of people it's really busy for a while but then it does ultimately come down to there's two things that have to happen in the restaurant when they do that. It's, it has to have a clientele that is not just expats, because while there are a lot of us here, and while we do spend proportionally more money than local, there aren't enough of us that your business can only survive on expats. So we, we always make it a comment when you're in a restaurant, regardless of the style of food, uh, Western food, if you're looking around the restaurant and everybody is an expat there, it's not a good sign. Yeah. If you look around and it's a mix and it, it can't just be couples either. It can't just be guys and girls. It's, it's got to be full Taiwanese families there or full Taiwanese you know, couples there. It can't just be expat plus Taiwanese mixed couples. It, it's, it's got to be a, a complete complete tables, you know, islands of Taiwan in this Western thing. And that's one of the things uh, Uzo has really been successful at is that mm. now... Last night we were our one big group there. Um, but the other, the inside and outside of the restaurant, I'm thinking back, and every other table was, every other group was Taiwanese group there. That's, that's how you survive. You got to get everybody. And that, that's, an, that's an
2: American um, restaurant, or is it? Well, you, you don't know.
3: Let's go with <laughs> actually the best way to put this. It was a restaurant that was run by a Taiwanese woman and her husband. Her husband is Iranian American, living in Taiwan, and it's a Greek restaurant. All right, it all makes <laughs> perfect sense. Yeah. It, it makes,
1: honestly, it makes perfect sense when it comes to like the expat community in Taiwan, from what
3: I've done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're sitting there and you're like, there is no part of this that's wrong. It's just, it just works. They have, yeah. uh, but it is. He he grew up the the proprietor well the two proprietors one grew up in Taiwan and then uh, the other grew up in the U.S. but moved to Taiwan um, pretty young has been here thirty years yeah he's been here about thirty years my age so wow moved here in his early twenties
2: I have cousins in Singapore and just like I I feel like hearing about families of people who are just like from all over the world, just like merging in one place, all those like international cities. yeah, it's really interesting.
3: And it's, and places like, the, and there's different cultures in different places. Some place right. like Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong, you, you feel the internationalness of Hong Kong all the time. Mm. Um, everything you do, you, you very much feel like you're in an international city. Meaning You walk around and there's restaurants, bars, pubs, uh, clothing stores, banks, other businesses. Everywhere you go, you're like, oh, this is very international. And you're seeing different languages everywhere, everything like that. Mm -hmm. Taiwan has pockets of that, but like where we live in in Taichung, there are pockets of Western style stuff, but it's it's much more interspersed throughout the city. You Mm -hmm. don't, walking around Taichung, you're never far from the realization that this is a its a Taiwanese city. It has a lot of Japanese influence. Um, the Japanese were here for a very long time. Just a lot of Japanese influence, but it's a Taiwanese city that has Western pockets in it. It doesn't have the same feel like a Hong Kong, which is Hong Kong. It's always in your face. It is international all the time.
0: Hmm.
1: I feel like Hong Kong, you would ha- be hard-pressed to find someone in a business that does not speak English.
3: Correct. Like, Hong Kong's official second language is English.
1: Yeah. And like when we went to when we went to uh, I think we were with Carrie and she was showing us around and we went to a hot pot place because oh, I, yeah. I, I was like, I really want to try one. Like I've had it heat, I've had it in the States. It's really good. I want to see what it's like in a place where it's like a general dish. Where it's from yeah. Yeah where it's from and they <laughs> The woman, they brought in a girl who had braces on. She was the only person in their group who spoke English. And, cause she Somebody's learned- daughter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was just like, oh my God. Like, I've never, like, I felt so, like, tr- I was like, if I had to be, if I was by myself and I would have to communicate, I'd be so lost right now. I would have no yeah. idea what to do. <laughs> like just just like bringing this poor like teen a teenager forward and being like this is our communication here you go
3: fire (laughs) okay and it's um one thing that makes taiwan in particular very very easy is that it, it the official second language in taiwan is english and let's just say they've made that the official policy they aren't there yet they're hiring a lot more teachers. There's a lot more emphasis on it in the schooling and in and English. And they've got, they've got a ways to go, but it does mean that we're very, we were actually driving yesterday and commenting on how much English there is on signs and it's things that we've sort of grown to take for granted. Like oh, I can identify that's the pharmacy, not just because I recognize the the national health logo, but, It says pharmacy in English, not just the characters. Hmm. You start looking around and you realize, oh, it's most things are are bilingually labeled. The further out of the city you get, the more interesting it does get. Um, Your odds of your odds of having to roll out your roll out your rudimentary Chinese go up considerably. But you also want run into weird, weird pockets of um, we were in. Taidung a couple of weeks ago, Taidung is on the east coast of Taiwan, it's on the Pacific Ocean, and the person who, the person who was running the b and that we were renting, we had not met her before, different friends had made all the, all the arrangements, and due to scheduling, we arrived when no one else was there. Mm-hmm. We walked in, she comes out, we're kind of doing the whole, okay, what level of adventure is this going to be today? <laughs> and she walks up and it's like, oh, hello, I'm um, Hannah. And you're like, oh, the middle of Tai and the adventure is going to be perfect English. <laughs> so it was, it was, oh, you guys, and actually the biggest confusion was they had, it was the names of different people. And you start realizing that you hear Chinese names and they sound all the same in your head. But then you realize that we had in this group, Mike, Patty, Mike, Mary, Kevin, Carey, Ben, Carey, and... <laughs> they were looking at the list of names and just kind of like, which ones are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And it, it did happen to be for this weekend, uh, for this you know, New Year's, it was, so we had 10 people staying there. Mm-hmm. And there was one, actually a couple that wasn't part of our group was also staying there. And he is from the UK and she's from Taiwan but that was it everybody else is like portland oregon um, wisconsin it was <laughs> new york right new york no and we i know actually i guess we had australia and new zealand in there too okay. but it's
1: somewhat a little closer. <laughs> let's just
3: say we were fa- a fairly uh, a fairly non-diverse group
1: <laughs> to steal a to steal a joke from scrubs is when dr kelso goes all the males are dans and are the females are debbies <laughs> Yep. <laughs>
3: and well, As fairness
1: to the others, you shall be Slagathor.
3: <laughs> you're just gonna, you're just gonna, you're just all kind of the same.
1: Yeah, you're all, you all look the same to me. Yeah, what the, what the hotel workers are saying.
3: <laughs> Carrie, Carrie once we were in a, we were back in Madison while we were living here. We're back in Madison, and she looked around and these guys walked into. We're actually at uh, the burger place, Red Robin, Red Robin and. We're sitting there and these guys walk in and it's, you know, three or four guys and they're all dressed the same baseball caps backwards, all about the same age, white guys. And Carrie looks up and she just goes, Oh my God, we do all look the same. (laughs) Because we're used to as, as Westerners surrounded by Western people, you're used to being able to pick up and go, Oh, that, you know, that guy looks, he looks German. He looks, I don't, English yeah, we, no, we no. pick up on that and then
1: mostly the, you it's get, the names that stick out to me but I would names say do stick out white versus another white person I wouldn't say one I guess Italian has like dark darker skin like tanner skin German people burn
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
3: we have our moments um, <laughs> but it, you do get you're able to pick out more more distinctions. Yeah. Um, and people talk about Asia and Asian as a, as a look and it's, you're here for a while and you will see somebody go, Oh, somebody will say, Oh, she's Chinese. You look and go, no, she's Japanese or, yeah. Oh, he's Korean or, and you realize that if you're in this for long enough, you start being able to pick up, Oh, it's, it's not one culture. It's true anywhere in the world, but being here you're like it's not one culture it's it's a hell of a lot of different and old cultures that are all around you yeah i feel like they
1: take that very seriously
3: too oh and they they take it very seriously yeah Yeah. you you think you think norwegians and swedes don't like each other Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh there there's a lot of every once in a while it comes up and you're like oh that's that's a debate that happened 200 years ago and you're still mad at each other about that yeah.
2: yeah I felt that way about languages though until I went to WPI and was exposed to different, so many languages, so many people and a lot of the students from different Asian countries um, meeting like Vietnamese people and through work too, like Vietnamese people, Japanese people, Chinese people. And then like to me, probably in high school, if I heard any of those languages, it would just be like, okay, I would assume, okay, that's probably Chinese. Yeah. But then, but then it's like, these are, they sound way different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like I, how I,
1: Portuguese and Spanish sound, just similar enough that if you're not, if you haven't studied either language, you wouldn't yeah. know the difference. Hmm. Um, but once you do, it's like, okay, Portuguese definitely has a different, like, uh,
0: like beat to it versus.
1: It's
3: pretty nasally. Yeah, yeah. It's a different, yeah. different sound. Yeah, and we get here it's just to pick on chinese again because i can um (laughs) then there's also the the dialects within chinese so there's mandarin Putonghua, the the mother the master the royal language whatever it is but it's it's the main mandarin classical mandarin but then you're like in hong kong and you'll be like i don't understand what people are saying it sounds almost right but not right and it's cantonese yeah and there's cantonese and there's shanghaiese and there's there's um, in Guangdong, which is the area around Hong Kong, yeah. there's, there's dialect stuff that's just enough different that you're, you're done.
0: <laughs> and
3: you're talking about Portuguese, and then weirdly you get to Macau, which is across from Hong Kong, and you're used to things being in standard simplified Mandarin for characters, and you can deal with that. And then frequently the second language, especially if you're in Hong Kong, is going to be English characters. In Macau, you're walking around and it's there are English characters, but you're like, This none of this makes sense. And you're like, Oh, because it's all Portuguese, because Macau was a Portuguese city, yeah. The weird little characters, and you're just looking at words going, That's almost right, but I'm pretty sure that's not what I think it is. Yeah. once you get your brain switched to it, you're like, Okay, I'm getting this, but
0: yeah,
1: there's one, uh, like just uh, I was thinking because one of the things I wanted to talk about is the mm-hmm. hash and yeah. your running group uh, that meets every weekend, which I got to experience one of your runs. And it was more of like a hike up a mountain, which I enjoyed, <laughs> was not expecting.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, was- s- I'm, s- I'm sitting here today after the hash with you. It's probably not going to show up, but I have like huge gashes in my hand from uh, thorns we went through that uh, I grabbed onto something to prevent myself from falling and well, I should have just fallen <laughs> that was it was an error
1: I, I've all you know when Hunter and I started dating he would he had shirts from the hash he was talking oh. he would talk about runs you would do because we always talk about like what runs would you do in high school like and you know commiserate on the bad ones and he would always be like, yeah, we, you know, we do weekend runs, but, you know, there wasn't really any kids, other kids who would be on the cross country team. So we all, you know, it was a group of teachers and everything. And I got like, for Ryan, like I got to experience that and we met in the middle of nowhere, we ran into a tiny village, ran across like a concrete separator on a rice paddy." (laughs)
3: Yeah, Randall, you, you you got you got a lot of experience in that one. I remember yeah. that Randall.
1: and then went back on the road into a forest which became yeah. a jungle, which we started moving up this very steep hill, like it was like I was like, we are going up a mountain, like I'm literally grabbing on to tree <laughs> to pull yeah. myself up the mountain. We get to like and we got and then we got to the beer break. Yep. <laughs> and ran it's across a,
0: this,
2: yeah. Literally, beer drink, literally drink a beer and then keep running. Yeah. It's
3: usually a beer, beer check will be a cooler that we set up somewhere, try to be somewhere around halfway. Um, What's ish. the total? What's the total miles? Uh, anyway. it's, we try to do it on time uh, yeah. because okay. like yesterday was, yesterday was uh, nine and change, 9.8 kilometers. And for me, okay. it was an hour and a half. Try to be in that hour and a half to two hour window to be out there. But yeah. so, yeah, so I ran an hour and a half 10K. That's not quick, <laughs> but it had 500 or 400 meters of elevation in it. So, yeah, wow, geez. 13, 1,400 feet of climbing in it. <laughs> so, but I mean, one thing I You stop I noticed, at the cooler.
1: Yep, you the cooler. <laughs> you, got, you had your beer or Hunter had his soda. And I remember yeah. uh, Quinn, one of the teachers, is he from Australia?
3: He oh. is, and he's actually back in Australia now. Yeah, with yeah. his
1: wife. Cause he's married now, right?
3: Got married. Yeah, Yep. He's, yeah, I remember. They're seeing both there.
1: Um, and he's like bouncing up and down on the balls of his feet, and he just turns to us. He's like, "The suspense is killing me." And we go back down the trail, and there's just this massive suspension bridge over a gorge. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, right. "Oh, I get it now." And oh. I was like, and it was just. I'm like, this is. Unlike anything I could have imagined because there is no set trail. It is yeah. uh, it was a flower run.
0: Yep. It was
1: a straight up flower run, which yeah. Ryan knows which that is. You grab yep. two grab two bags of flour and you go and you run, make a trail and everyone has to follow you. Which <laughs> we did that in college. But yeah, that like I said, that but there's this it's this group of people, some of them I feel like are native to Taiwan or
3: um yeah, we have the let's see the mix we have right now you've got it's primarily and you know, hashing started as an expat activity yeah. um in kuala Lumpur, and it's evolved everywhere in the world now and any place you are there tends to be um there's a a core group that is maybe expats but there's also hashes that are all all taiwanese we have two hashes in taichung um, there's TH three Tai Hash House Harriers, and then I love Hash Hash House Harriers, or as we refer to them, I love Hash 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 it's just like there's too many H's. And <laughs> that's the Taiwanese group, and basically what it winds up being is I love Hash is the is the Chinese first as far as when you're speaking, it's Chinese first, and then TH three, which is the other hash, the one Maria went to, is uh, that's the English first hash. But it was so it winds up being a mix. But like yesterday, I was just going to say it was both Taiwanese hairs, but he's actually from Hong Kong. I forgot about that. Mm. Um, it was one guy is a retired, retired Taiwanese Air Force guy who is one of the hairs, and the other guy is uh, he's from Hong Kong as an expat living here. It mixes. So next week, it will be a very, very, very Midwestern American hair, hair pairing. Oh boy. I might be one of them. <laughs> Carrie might be the other one. <laughs> so it starts. Yeah, it makes it easy. It starts as an an international group here, but it's you know it, it's a mix through it. And like, how I did was you find that uh, actually through through AST, um, we showed up at orientation at AST, which and
1: for the other people, American School of Taichung. American School of Taichung.
3: Is, it's is where, this is
1: where I graduated. And, yep, Catcha. Uh, Hunter's sister attended.
3: Yep. Kat, Kat was there for three years. And uh, Carrie has taught there on and off and on and, and off. And, there, yep. and, she, and she, she just, well, I just found out yesterday that her work permit got reapproved. And so now she's back on the list. Oh, good. She has, she has mixed feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the disadvantage of being the trusted go to is that people tend to go to you. <laughs> um, but so we were at the orientation, and we met uh, another parent. Um, I am going to have a horrible time coming up with people's real names, not their hash names. James, and James's <laughs> daughter Karen is one of Katja's best friends, and that was when they met. And James looked at us as this whole thing is starting out, and Katja, uh, Katja and Hunter are being led away by Karen. All four of us were wearing something running related. Um, it was like a Wisconsin cross country, Waterloo cross country. I was wearing something from a race. Carrie was wearing something from a race. And he looked and goes, so you guys run? <laughs> nope. Should have said no, logical. No. Logi- we should have said no, yeah. should have no. changed everything. <laughs> yeah. We found these in a box. We don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so he invited us to come join the hash. He's like, you should, you enjoy this. And it took us a while to do it, like a couple months. And then there was a run at his house and Karen invited us because it was going to be at, you know, at her house. And so we went up and we did that one and realized it was fun. We liked it. And Carrie got her name. Um, and Carrie has one of the clean names we can use, Beer Mom. Mm-hmm. Carrie was named <laughs> Beer Mom on her first run. And she, we've just kind of gotten into it from there. Yeah. And one of the things that's really done, A, you get to meet this different expat group and a constantly changing group because people are here two to three years in and out and so on and so forth. We also get to go places that you would never go. You would never drive up into the mountains of Sani where we took Maria yeah. and just <laughs> stop at the side of the friggin' road yep. because there's a trail somewhere around here and go run it. Yeah. Um, and you find that suspension bridge, and I remember that that being one that I got to, and ooh, this is a little bit sketchy, but then you get on it and go. Ah, no, this one's this one's fine. I We've just remember running on it,
1: and then the sign, like the motion of it running, because someone, I think either Hunter was ahead of me or behind <laughs> me, the beat was just just off because yeah. we don't run exactly the same beat. Like it is no. a. It is a bit of an issue when we run together because one of us is either speeding up or the or someone else is slowing down. It's yeah. just never quite there. And my foot kept fall like planning yeah. meeting ground and it wasn't.
3: And it, it wasn't did. there because you're at the low <laughs> part of the wave. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is both terrifying and crazy and i love it and i'm just like i'm trying to like see over the edge without scaring the shit out of myself
3: (laughs) without going over the edge without
1: going over the edge i mean it was pretty well like it was pretty well supported like i never thought that the thing was going to break but it was still just like if i just if i had gone there as like without having carry you know to be our guide basically yeah and you and to have hunter having that past experience it would have been completely different i would, you know never like this is this is a completely different version of taiwan than a normal tourist would experience
3: yeah absolutely living living anywhere once yeah. you live somewhere you you get past the initial parts of it yeah. the initial here are the here are the five trip advisor things my city is known for <laughs> you get past that and you realize that Tripadvisor, while it's a great primer to get you started, is a terrible source. I mean, if yeah. more than a week, you're you, then you go off. TripAdvisor. Yeah. then you leave. Yeah. TripAdvisor. you you can leave Tripadvisor and move on. <laughs> um, but in Asia, in particular, people will talk about, oh, well, I've you know, I've traveled extensively. I've been in Europe. I've done this, yada yada, all that. And I'm like, yeah, but Asia, because it's <laughs> this is. You said it was this. It's felt the same, just not quite. Asia is like, you know, like an alternate reality where everything's feels right. And then there'll be something that's just totally, what the hell was that? And you realize, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just, it's, we, we talk, we call it uh, being Taiwan that you have days where you're doing real well. And then you, then you have a day when Taiwan wins and you're just like, yeah, I, I, I was lost all day today.
1: <laughs> Going to the new opera house and them having like,
0: oh
3: yeah
1: having a moat inside the lobby that mm-hmm. you would yeah yeah ryan you had a moat that you would yep. cross they had like a little walk walk in and in the middle of it was your guest shop and mm-hmm. like, like little art displays and you could leave you know but it, there was just a moat in the lobby yeah.
3: and <laughs> if you get if, if you get an overhead shot of the place you realize that the moat actually go extends out of the building and wraps around to the front of the of the opera house, Whoa. I didn't ever realize that till I one day I was looking yeah. at it, like, oh, it continues through. Yeah. Um, architecturally, <laughs> it's a cool building. It is. A um, I still haven't seen anything in it. It's hit and miss, and obviously, even though we're not we're not living under the same COVID type stuff that mm. you guys are dealing with, there is still there are still some restrictions that we're running into here. Um, yeah. Large events definitely are being curtailed. And pulled back a little bit, but it's you know, it's just Asia, and you have your moments where you're just like, okay, that is just what it is. Oh, there's there's a car coming down my side of the road.
0: Okay, <laughs> oh, I... carries
3: uh, carries ox, um, like a, a an ox <laughs> walking down the road because oxes okay. live
1: here. Yeah, and they're used.
3: He's not bothering anyone. He's not, yeah. we're just yeah. out.
1: I I think the most quintessential, I guess, Asia thing I saw, besides the face masks pre-pandemic, that matched your outfit. Which yes, yes, I,
2: that's important now. That is yeah, so I, yes. <laughs>
1: this was a woman wearing a very fashionable outfit with jean overalls, and she had a jean pattern mask. To match
3: her overalls. Yeah. got to be so stuffy.
1: I was like, that doesn't seem comfortable, but okay.
3: <laughs> well, uh, and the, a lot of them are still the same. It's it's prints yeah. of the same material. It's the yeah, same it's face print. mask material. It's just printed. Yeah. To yeah. oh yeah, match match your outfit. Yeah. Hey, it's one of the reasons I think we've done well is um, be people were whole. like,
1: got it, we're on lock. Yeah.
3: People are like, you have to wear face masks. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Um
1: which which style? Wasn't, I have many.
3: Yeah. I have many. Well, actually it was the first place I ever got the well, you know, is it the N95 surgical mask or is just the one you wear if like a hospital visitor or like the one a dentist would wear? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it was the realization that as a culture that if you're not feeling well, you wear you wear a face mask. So if you have a cold, you wear your mask in your office, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. That wasn't a leap for people here. No. It it's, it's something people rolled into pretty quickly. And now it's, I mean, you wear them in taxis, you wear them on the bus, you wear them on the train um, when the train starts off, running again. For the most part. Yeah, you wear, you wear them going into the mall, into stores. Yeah. Once you're in the restaurant, you take them off. It's a culture that was ready to deal with it. Yeah.
0: Mm.
3: And a big part of that is something that happened here and it's also a coronavirus, but a different one, SARS. SARS. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, but, when SARS was a big deal here.
1: Yeah. All, like, all
3: of Asia, right? Was it? Yeah. How far yeah. reaching was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, it was and China God. and Taiwan were the worst. It okay. made it into Canada, made it into the US. But, yeah, um, but
1: the US had a plan for once. Yeah.
3: For once. Um, yeah. For a while.
1: For a while. For a while. But, and then suddenly it just disappeared because... Someone put it in the shredder.
3: <laughs> yeah, and it was well, but there was also um, when SARS came out, it was it was new, thus the you know, novel novel coronavirus, no, coronavirus thing. Coronavirus. But a lot of the work that was done on figuring out SARS and figuring out MERS, the Middle Eastern respiratory, which came three years later, or four years later, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah,
1: that one's not as widespread.
3: Right, that one was much. It basically the, the same thing future. that happened to SARS and MERS is that they, they don't, they don't carry particularly well. Yeah. The new, this, you know, see this coronavirus carries. 19, this one carries real well. And that's a problem. Yes. Um, but a lot of the work that was done trying to figure those out in these, you know, in Asia, because you have so many people, um, mm-hmm. every so densely packed, the work that was done to figure that out um, meant that people were ready to react but it also meant scientifically that as people were trying to figure out, okay, what do we do for a vaccine? What, what are our options? There were people who had figured, kind of knew where they wanted to go. And that's the only reason you're talking about people getting a vaccine at like literally, okay, the first case in Taiwan will be, was the 21st of January last year. So in four days, was, in four days, Taiwan will have been, have had active cases for a year. And so it's pretty quick. Yeah. pretty quick, but everybody, because you're so t- closely pa- packed and because SARS was, a, was a big deal. Mortality rate was much, much higher. And Taiwan's had seven fatalities from coronavirus total. Yeah. Um, wow. there are 21 million, there are 21 million people here, 23 million people here. Yeah. Had seven, seven fatalities, 800 something cases total. And the vast majority of them coming from overseas, coming back in. It's people coming back who've been infected somewhere else. SARS was a few thousand cases, but it was hundreds of deaths. I I think it was like three or 400 deaths in a very short period of time too. So Mm -hmm. SARS was pretty scary here. And Maria's probably heard the story that um, I flew back from China through taiwan just as the whole sars thing was starting to break and they were with a group of execs from from track and we got to the office on monday morning and it was we got there and they put us in a conference room and said um you guys just stay here while we figure this out because we'd literally flown directly from where this the hot spot was in Guangdong province which coincidentally is kind of the same place we're dealing with with this one we came in and they're just like okay how are you guys feeling and we're like, well, we're a little jet lagged. And in reality, we were, uh, a couple of us were sick too. As we oh, came wow. back, we were pretty sure we knew why we were sick. Because we'd, we'd gone a little off, off reservation on eating. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty sure that's what we had going on. And that is what it wound up being. But it just struck that whole, uh, an infection like this, something that's new that people aren't used to. And people say, oh, it's just over there. and It's over there in China. You're know, like, yeah. There are in Waterloo, Wisconsin, this town of three thousand people. There are at least four people who've been in the location this came from in the last week. Yeah. They've come home. They've met their family. Their kids have gone to school, and it's just like whoosh, that. Yeah. The math of uh, the math of transmission of something like that is it's pretty astonishing. But it happens pretty yeah, quick. I mean,
1: so, but like, so I was saying, like the most Asian thing, like the most taiwan thing i saw besides the face masks being everywhere which is yeah. very asian very Asian cultured and for good reason for a mm-hmm. very good reason was a woman riding her moped with her dog between her between her feet on yeah. like foot area and she paused at a red light the dog hopped off took a pee and then hopped back on the moped <laughs> as, tur- as the light turned green and they sped off and i was like,
3: <laughs> yeah, like mom i'm ready <laughs> yeah, it-
1: what did I just see? <laughs> like, yeah, That dog is like so on it. It's like, oh, pee time, boop, go. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> my dog would not, my dog's 15. He's he's a neurotic Cocker, cockapoo. Yeah. Not even stay still for a for five yeah. seconds if he was expected to go on a moped. <laughs> but <laughs> like,
3: ah! you think about it, for that dog especially, that was not his first day on the moped. No, no I mean,
1: he's very well trained. But to get he, to that point, yeah, <laughs>
3: it's he, like, he was oh, a puppy. <laughs> he, he was a puppy on that thing, and he realized, oh, this is how this is how life goes. Um,
1: you pee <laughs> now, or you don't pee.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's the the dogs in the footwell of the scooter. I always I always laugh at that, especially if it's a big dog. Um, okay. I know a couple of people with pretty substantial dogs and you watch that dog tuck itself into that little footwell, you know, that that has to be hard to drive, but you also see, you also see what we refer to as a four pack, which is four people on a scooter. And it's usually mom, dad, and two kids. Uh, But not always, sometimes it's more adults and it's, it's just, you know, there's a very Asian thing. Hmm. A scooter is an extremely easy way to get around and it's, Hmm it gets you places quickly. It's not as hard to park. Um, it doesn't take up as much room, all those good things. Maria, did I ever take you on a scooter ride when you were here? Yeah, uh,
1: That's where I saw the the dog.
3: You saw it while we were on the (laughs) scooter. And and,
1: yeah, I will say driving a scooter in, uh, I guess Asia in general, you, they're literally just, it's like Tetris. The cars are like Tetris and the, like the little spaces are filled in by scooters. That's yep. how the scooter traffic works is you yeah. find a spot and you take it.
3: Yeah. We, it's, we, it's, we call it brick. And it's, fun. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's fun. It's, we call it bricks and mortar. That mm-hmm. the, the cars are the bricks, cars, buses, trucks. They're all bricks and you're the mortar you're filling in all the gaps. <laughs> and yeah. It, it's, it is alternately terrifying and exhilarating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I took um, Katja's Katja's fiance. Drew, I took him on a scooter ride here. It was a very short scooter ride. He got done. And he's like, "That is the most terrifying thing I've ever done." <laughs> and I, and I, my first thought when I stopped was like, "Well, I thought I was pretty. I thought I was pretty calm in my drive. <laughs> I didn't give him like a normal a normal scooter ride where you are chopping and dicing through things a little bit more." Well, I mean,
1: I I also my stepfather and my mom to an extent drive motorcycles, and when I was mm-hmm. little, I. Would it was like a big treat for me to go on the motorcycle. So I have the feeling of being a passenger on one of those, and yeah. I never went anywhere far. I was a little kid, you know. I we went we went around a lo, a small parking lot.
3: You get but, to do little things, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: but I have the but when you're a passenger on I don't know if Drew ever experienced this, but when you're a passenger on a motorbike or a moped, it's very different than riding a bike, and mm-hmm. You are, and if you're in traffic, it's very different from driving a car. So if you don't have that like past experience, even though it was a long time ago, I was more used to it. So, I, I mean, I would definitely do that again. That was that was fun.
3: It is fun, but you know, one of the reasons it works out is bike racing. Well, bike racing, I'm used to being at speed so close to people. That literally, you can reach out and touch somebody, mm-hmm. um, and in racing, occasionally you do, just to you know tell people where you are. I mean, so you're going you know 30 miles an hour, so close that you can just reach and touch somebody, not without like extending your arm. Mm-hmm. Driving a scooter is not that different. You're, you're just in a pack all the time. The biggest problem always is I don't feel like everybody driving a scooter came into it the same way. I don't feel like they all came into it from bike racing where your number one commodity is space, space to do what you need to do, which means if you're right on somebody's bumper or right on somebody else's rear wheel, you have to be prepared to at any moment, you've got to either stop, jog, do whatever. And in bike racing, it's just, that's what you're doing all the time. So I ride the scooter like I race a bicycle and Mm -hmm. just not as fast. (laughs) I have have a healthy respect for uh, falling down now that uh, I didn't necessarily have as a younger bike racer. So falling well, hurts.
1: Like going into bicycling because yeah. to cycling, which is the other topic we wanted to mm-hmm.
0: talk
1: about. Uh, you, like you mentioned you work you worked for Trek. You now work for Richie, um, mm-hmm. which is another bike company. So bicycles was part of the game with like Hunter and Catcher growing up and I thought it was so funny when Hunter and I started dating. Hunter's like, I've never seen the Star Wars. I've, I've never seen the Star Wars movies. I've I never f- seen I
3: consider the- that I consider that a failure in my parenting, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: never seen Lord of the Rings. I made him watch the, the disc one of the extended cut of Lord of the Rings and he will never see the rest of Lord of the Rings. Cause he's like, if it's the rest of it is like that, we're not doing uh, it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sounds but about right. Uh, he's like, I um, haven't
1: seen Indiana Jones. He, yeah. he, because every weekend where little Maria would watch those movies, Hunter was out motor like doing a mountain bike racing.
3: Yeah, Hunter was waking up in a in a tent at a mountain bike race somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Every other weekend, well, and then for a couple of years, every weekend somewhere. It's it's a different upbringing. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: fine upbringing he definitely it's definitely different but I think that community seemed just very like close yeah Um, kind of like a running community but I think in like just even a little little more like not secular but like even closer knit because you see these people every weekend where with running it's like finding a running group in the city you're in it's very it's way more fluid just like you said with the hash it's way more fluid to find a a cycling group that just seems it's a little harder
0: to do
3: yeah yeah and and when you're talking about like the the group we were riding with then the race series we were doing was um it's called wars wisconsin off-road series it was a at the time it was the largest off-road the largest cross country mountain bike racing series in the U S but you're dealing with at that point. If hundred people ride a bicycle, one of them will ever do a race. And of that one, you know, a 20th of that one person will actually do multiple races. Yeah. So the core group of people who are showing up at races year over year, week after week is a pretty, it is a community I mean, it was this, this group of people that were out there all the time together. And you do get it in running, but it is, it is harder to find because it, running events, there are very few, even if you're an active racer, you're not generally racing with the same people week after week after week after week. And in wars from early April till October, you're racing with the same people every other weekend all summer long. And so it's it's just a different thing and running, you know, you're running one race in Chicago, you're running another race out in in Boston. You're running another race in Duluth. It's not the, it's not the same group of people going to all these events. I mean,
0: Madison
1: has a pretty strong local
3: race. Very strong.
1: And we have, so with Epic, uh, the, the big company and the place where a lot of college grads go regardless of background, there's a lot of D1 runners in that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that company. So yeah. Hunter and I, when we go to races, if it's in Madison, the person who's probably leading the pack is an Epic employee. Yeah. yeah, And Hunter might know them if not from when he was first with the Epic race, with the Epic running group but uh or maybe just in passing from other races like we recognize people i'm not saying we're like at the head of the pack a lot of the time but you you're just like oh i know that person i recognize that person i've seen that person every now and again i always see the same old grandmother who's just trucking along kicking everybody's butt yeah (laughs) my
3: my favorite in, in the running or biking races is uh my most frequent racing partner is, is Carrie and I'll hear Carrie on the race course. Uh, Carrie is known for being a fairly vocal, <clears throat> vocal person on the race course. She woohoo's a lot, cheers people along. And I have been a distance away from her in races and you hear her and I've heard people say, Oh, I remember her from last year. or remember her from the other race She's
1: the team mom
3: she's beer mom she she, she is beer mom she is the team mom she cheers everybody on it it makes it good but it you know it goes to that whole community thing and yeah Mm -hmm. it's you're building a community you build your running community um you build your cycling community whoever whatever it is and you know we're gonna we're gonna go to a going away party later today that's Mm -hmm. um we're not the only bike people in that group. that's actually, that one's, a, that's a fairly sprinkled bike group. Um, Carrie's making sad pouty faces because one of her friends who's leaving. And it's, but it's, you know, it, it's your little communities that you build. Yeah, It Do you somehow think, makes it uh, all work.
1: If you, like, versus running versus biking, like what are significant differences between the two? Because Ryan and I, we only know running.
3: Yeah. We- I'll give you a a massive one. We've all been on long runs with people, you know, 10, 15 miles, whatever. And you're talking the whole time. Mm. You can't do that cycling. You'll have occasional conversations in cycling, but it's going to be interspersed with sections where you're not talking to each other, either in traffic or you're just going too fast. Mm. Um, But in, in running, especially at club level running, you're running along and, A lot of times when you're doing a a good tempo run you want to be able to be doing it at that level where you can still converse Mm -hmm. um cycling you get to talk when you stop and rest Mm -hmm. right but the climbs when you're if if you're talking when you're climbing you're not going fast enough (laughs) um you gotta work harder
1: yeah yeah i kind of similar but i was um I, when I was in high school, we had a cross country race and I was running But <laughs> I was, um, there was, we were mm-hmm. running against a, a, the group from the team from Needham and mm-hmm. we had one girl I was running next to and she was trying really hard to keep up with me. Like I could feel her gasping like the bellows just... <gasps> mm-hmm. Like trying, and she was putting up a good fight. I was putting it, I was putting it all in, and I was like, what if I just started talking to her? And I see her trying to surge, trying to catch up to our second place girl. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I'm talking to her. I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah, she's, she's just got going on way faster. More, She's got way more juice than you or I. Not really <laughs> that good right now. You know, you should just, you know, don't even try. You're just going to die. And then you won't even get, you know, third. You know, if you manage to be. And we just, we're just going. And she... <laughs> I think she hated me by the end. She ended up kicking my butt by the end of by the end of high school. I remember my one of my last races. She passed me, and she's like, "You can do it, Framingham." I'm like, "You've been waiting on that. Yeah, for
2: waiting for on line for years. Two uh, yeah. years.
1: I know that." And we pat, and we're about to go into the woods of our course, and one of our my teammates who wasn't running in the meet was cheering, and I was like, "Her name's like Jenny or something like that." Because, you know, I'm still trying to, like, play games with her head. Psych her a
3: little bit. Yeah. And the,
1: you know, I'm like, she's really nice. And the teammate's like, if you're talking, you're not running fast not enough. Not running fast enough. <laughs> and, I, like, I, and it was just, I was like, that was the one of the biggest dick moves I've ever done. <laughs> like, I love
2: how the uh, trash talking and running is, like, complimenting each other. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it is. It, it so, is. And in... Well, there's another good difference in cycling. It's all sandbagging. It's oh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm I went I went hard this morning, so it's gonna be a lighter, lighter ride for me today. I'm not really feeling the climbing today. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit in today. And then you get to the first climb, and you know, as soon as it pitches up, you're like, Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, and there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is. It is a very depreciating, yeah. self depreciating <laughs> Redu- reduction of expectations. Is
2: there also so- more acceptability with a, a cycling group to just like abandon people? Because in running, if you are in a group and you're kind of socializing, it's kind of it's perceived as like a jerk move. It's like someone just sprints to drop head, someone. But yeah, but if you're cycling and you're not talking anyway, I feel like it'd be a little easier to make that move.
3: It, it depends on the, on the culture of the ride. And there is, there's very specific rides where um, you're calling them no-drop no rides. Mm. And that, that means exactly what it sounds like. It means you're going to make sure everybody stays relatively together. You will get laid out over sections of the ride, but you'll always try to bring everybody back together. And those are real effective when we're doing rides around. where you are going somewhere where not everybody's familiar with. And so you mm-hmm. just want to make sure... Again, like the hash, trying not to lose people in the jungle. <laughs> um,
1: we only had and one last time. Details, I was
3: details, <laughs> details. They usually show back up. Yeah, they um, pop. <laughs> and it's but in, in in cycling, there's also then rides you go on that are the you know the more fast paced rides, and that's uh, if, if you can't hang, hang that day, it's it's up to you, yeah. and you mm-hmm. get those rides are also ones where you know it going in that mm. it's not necessarily race pace, but it's going to be a hard ride. People are going to go fast. Mm. And if you don't, if you not just say, I don't have it today, if you just don't have it that day, you'll tell them at what, whatever climb you're together on and you just go, okay, you guys go. But in general, most of the rides we do here, you're trying to keep people sorted together. There's also, there's a number of hazards on the road here and you kind of want to make sure that you know somebody's there to call me somebody's there to call the ambulance when Ryan crashes in front of everybody. Uh, our Ryan. Um, not, no, um, no, okay. and I thought you were inviting
2: not, me on a ride.
3: <laughs> no, this, this would not be the ride you want to go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan, Ryan went down and I won't say exploded his shoulder, but pretty much just, oh. it's it, it, a lot of metal, a lot of oh, metal, metal, a lot of things nice. getting rebuilt in there, oh, but you, you want to have somebody, somebody around to call because when we ride so where we live here in Taichung we ride about it's about half an hour to get out of the city really 10 kilometers or so but from that point the next 10 kilometers you can be in the middle of nowhere really quick and the way the mountain ranges are set up here the first rows are fairly they're, they're steep but they're not super high but then all of a sudden you get into these valleys and you're getting into areas where things, things get pretty remote pretty quickly and something going wrong. You could be, you could be out in the, out in the sticks or you could go over a really steep, <laughs> something really steep really quickly. Generally bad ideas.
1: That reminds me of a story. Cause um, as you said, like Ryan, you met Kevin at the Worcester cities meet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yep. this happened at the Worcester, uh, Worcester state park. Um, one of our professors, I know, um, previous guest on the show, Hannah, uh, had him, uh, our professor Ludwig from WPI. He was, he was, he taught engineering of a sort, but he was my, one of our advisors for my, uh, study abroad. And he was, uh, he was, he is also a huge runner. He ran with, uh, the old, uh, was was the WPI coach for cross country. He runs with Savalon, Brian Savalonis. Yep. And we were, so we were, when I was abroad, I was in Costa Rica and we were chatting about running injuries because the way you bond with, uh, yeah. in running groups is you discuss your injuries.
2: Oh, IC and- band? Yeah. Killer, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <My throat laughs> fasciitis.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's there. And yeah. <laughs>
1: always shins once and he goes so we won't talk about my
3: feet right now so (laughs) so so many lost (laughs) tones yeah
1: he was he says in his german accent because he's got a very thick one and he's and i won't try to imitate he goes so i was in worcester state park because i like because i run there all the time and this guy he's in his 70s and he's like i fell down the i fell off the trail into a ditch basically Mm -hmm. down the hill woods and he broke his arm at the shoulder and he said i had to crawl back up the side of the hill he was by himself had no phone on him and i'm sure he yelled for help at one point at in the beginning you know trying to get help but he had to pull himself back onto the trail get himself back you know back to the main road to get help he said it took him two hours wow I thought I was going to die.
3: Oh, it's two un- unpleasant hours. Yeah. And well, he, he,
1: like he was wearing a tank top at the time, and he like showed us his like where the nails went into his yeah and they, his shoulder. It put was, it all
3: back together. Yeah. Oh.
1: And, you know, German. Well, happy, like happy German accent the entire way. He's like, oh yeah, I you know. Oh yeah, this was good.
3: Going, oh yeah. And <laughs> Nuts.
1: Then, and. <laughs> next year I was back, we were back at the for the Worcester Cities meet and I saw him running around the state, around the park again. I was like, oh, Why yeah. are you here? This place you can't stop here? those
2: guys. You can't no, stop those guys. guys. If they're running at seventy, they're not gonna ever stop. Oh um, yeah. I that's ran that's my the- that's my hope.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I ran with him
2: in
1: Costa Rica too, and he was flying. He told me never to push the pace again, but I was like, are you kidding? I was trying to keep up with you.
3: (laughs) You're right there. Well, I, when I, I mean, Maria knows I had my shoulder rebuilt uh, three years, four years ago, Mm -hmm. coming up on four years ago. And it was because of dislocating my shoulder and and again and again and again. But the first time I did it, I was on a run out in the jungle and I fell down a wall. And it was the literal land where we'd been running down a river. One of the strange things in Taiwan geography is there are rivers everywhere, but most of them don't have water in them most of the time. Uh, Taiwan doesn't have a lot of standing water, but you have the river bottoms. So you run through them all the time because especially after typhoon season, they're mostly cleared out of vegetation. So you can run down them, they're kind of cool. This one came down to a point where then we had to come out of it because there was a bridge and I was helping people up the wall. And I climbed up the wall and I stepped on a pipe on the wall as as a toehold and the pipe broke. And so I've got my arm extended all the way up, holding the wall, pulling myself up. I fell backwards. And when I hit, I popped my shoulder out. Um, And you're like, okay, I'm in the bottom of a river, (laughs) in the bottom of a valley, and the road is somewhere. like, hmm. And I was able to get my shoulder back in have some first aid training and knew knew what unpleasantness I needed to do. But then oh. it was, I, I used my, uh, my running, my belt, my, uh, water belt, used that to form a way to hold my arm in place to run back to uh, walk back to the, back to the start. But yeah, it was, Oh, wow. Stuff like that. Jeez. That's what it's good to have those skills.
1: It's good to have a running. <sighs> yeah.
3: yeah. It's good to not, it, it's good to not hurt yourself. Right. That too. If you do. Yeah. You are a buddy who can fix you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Your
1: exit buddy.
3: Your exit buddy. You have your exit buddy. Do you have your <laughs> exit buddy? I have my exit buddy. She's right here. Yeah.
1: She wasn't there at the time, but you know whose fault?
3: No, no. I've actually, I'm usually the one fixing her anyway. Mm. After she just looked at me, she went.
0: <laughs> she
3: had... <laughs> Carrie crashed on a a bike race, bike ride. Not even a race. Years years ago. And it didn't sound like anything. She was behind me, I heard the, heard the bike go down. Stop, come back, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. And she holds her arm up and goes, but will you do something about the blood? And her arm is just open. <laughs> oh. and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm we'll, I'm fine. We'll, fine. We'll do something with that. <laughs> uh, long story short, sock, inner tube, wrapped it all up. It yeah. was fine. <laughs> we will.
1: Hold that together.
3: Maria's been to the the cabin, the brew House, and that's where we were. And we went into uh, went into my my aunt is a is a nurse, went in and said, uh, "Can we have you look at this?" And she just looked at Carrie's arm and went, "Yeah, I would go get that assessed." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Carrie,
0: I did Carrie got stitches.
3: My... Yeah, she. Didn't, I didn't bring. I'm not sewing your arm up out here. No. <laughs> Carrie went in, got all her stitches. We had a, a formal dinner that night, and so <gasps> Carrie's in her nice little. Black dress with a, a white sleeve over her arm, holding it together. It's fashionable. It's fashionable. It all works. Yeah, it all it's works. also
1: a good story.
3: Yeah, it's and it's stuck in the family for a while. You know, it feels like we keep coming back to community, and yeah, it's you've got your running community, you got your cycling community. You, it's the your people you hang community. It with. Yeah, your expat community. Yeah, it, it's it's all that. It's and,
1: what's uh, I think that's what's important, especially like this is more. Like I mentioned at the beginning, like Hunter and I almost had the same situation where he was tra- we traveled to a different country so he could work. Yeah. And when we were discussing it, I wanted to talk to I guess more Carrie about this because she well, a is the quote unquote spouse. She doesn't have the designated job. I mean, yeah, a little different. different because I don't have kids to look after and I don't have like I wouldn't know like finding the necessary resources to find your your community because you're basically like you're kind yeah. of alone. Yeah. And I don't have and again in in another way I don't even I don't have kids to look after so I have way more freedom than that. But it is very it's kind of you know it's it's almost overwhelming because you're just like I don't even know where to start.
3: Yeah. The this- you don't have kids, you don't have the freedom, but or you don't have the kids, you don't have that, you've got more freedom, but I've see it all the time with people here, that the term is trailing spouse. Um, and that's whoever is going along that isn't the, the job reason you're there. Yeah. And in general, in any expat, any successful expatting, if you're sending somebody out in a company, your biggest concern, if it fails, if, if the assignment fails, it's most of the time not going to be the person you're sending for the job. The failure is going to be that person's support system, whether it's spouse, kids, um, girlfriend, whatever. It's going to be, that's the problem. And I don't mean it to say, oh yeah, you're the problem. It's, it's that you've got something, you go to work and whether you're going to work in, in China and Hong Kong, and Singapore, or Taiwan, you're going to work. It feels relatively the same. You, know, you were in Madison, Wisconsin. Now you're in Taichung, Taiwan. It's, it's the same. Admittedly very different, but it's mm-hmm. your, your level of activity is your, you have structure. You have what you need to do. For a trailing spouse, and f- frequently, and I see it with a lot of the trailing spouses here, you had a job. You were doing something, some at f- very high levels of different stuff, and now you're here. And until very recently in Taiwan, it was difficult for the trailing spouse to get a work permit. Actually, for a long time, it was impossible. If you're a trailing spouse, only way you would be able to get a work permit is on your own merits, meaning somebody had to hire you and apply for a work permit Jeez. for you. So it was, it was really complicated, yeah. especially when you think of somebody like, and Carrie's a perfect example, somebody who... She's not looking to go work full-time in a bank, not looking to go work full-time, whatever dentist office, whatever your, your part portion of her career path is. But she's a valuable resource as a substitute teacher. But she doesn't want to work full-time and she's not going to work full-time. And as a school, you're not going to hire her and get her the work permit and the residency permit as well. That was the other part of the whole thing to work 10 hours a week or whatever it is so automatically you have people who had a job had some professional thing they were doing and now all of a sudden they don't and it's not even like they don't just in the temporary hey i've got to find something new to do It's it's gone and there's no opportunity mm-hmm. so the trailing spouse thing was always you were concerned about how quickly they adapted to a community. And that winds up being, so like in Taichung, the big thing was the international women's association of Taichung. It's called IWOT. And Iwat would help reach out to new people. Hey, here's where the doctor's offices are. Here's where, you know, it's just that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that was, that was very helpful when Carrie first got here um, meeting new people and kind of figuring that stuff out. You know that that's that's a community that welcomes in the new people and it's well, people get here and they get here on an assignment and typically an assignment is two or three years um, occasionally people are here on shorter assignments, but most of the time it's two or three years and you have to realize that it's two or three years, but I want to live those two or three years. You got to go in and you just you learn how to make friends pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn how to appreciate appreciate time with people that you enjoy doing stuff with, because you know, because the the not to pick on Carrie again, but the uh, the going away we're going to today, it's somebody who he was for work here. Uh, they had been in Hong Kong, and she was going back and forth to Hong Kong to Taiwan, and then when the whole COVID thing came down and all the travel rules changed, she wound up basically having to stay in Taiwan and because of that she and Carrie got to know each other and they realized they really liked each other and you wind up with okay well we're going to spend as much time as we can together and then the other shoe drops that you know your company decides okay well now that COVID's straightening things out a little bit we're going to relocate you back to the U.S. so if that's they're leaving to go back to the U.S. you can't go through your everyday operation going oh I'm I'll, I'll spend, I'll have lunch with you, but you're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go to it. We're having lunch together. We're having dinner together. And then when it comes that they are going to leave, it's just like, we're going to have a party when you go. Because you just have to, you have to be able to just roll with it and go. It's sad. And it, it's definitely an adjustment. And actually, Maria, you met here. I probably don't meet, remember her because she'd be one of a billion people you met in a very short time. Um, a friend of ours here, Joanne who is Taiwanese, um, I've known for 15 or more years. And she'd made a comment at one point after, so we lived in Taiwan for three years, then we were back in the States for five years. And now I've been back in Taiwan for five years and change. In that middle section, I was coming, we were up to dinner with a group of people and had told me at that point, she's like, but what you guys don't get is that I'm here, you guys come and go. Yeah. You, you come and go, you show up, you're here for a couple of years. And this is the one experience where you come into this culture, you meet all these friends and then eventually you move back and you, know you move back to where you were from or somewhere new, whatever. She goes, but I'm going through that. It's like, every time I meet people, it's mm-hmm. okay. How long are you here? Yeah. <laughs> are you here for one year? <laughs> are you here for three years? Do I bother to learn both your names or just your first name? Um, it's, <laughs> And I I really, I appreciated that as we're, as we've transitioned into more, I hesitate to use the term elder, elder expats, but we're kind of getting into that period here where we first moved to Taiwan in 2007. That's now, you know, we're coming up about 14 years ago. We didn't live here the whole time, but I mean, it's our, our references, we go all the way back to that, that era. So you know, we're, we're kind of getting to be the the grizzled veterans, as it were.
1: Yeah, you're running the hash. You're no I, newcomers to it.
3: Yes, I am. I am the GM of the hash. I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> responsible for that mess. By the way, I was uh, I I ran circle yesterday, and while I was going through the numbers, you know, everybody's run numbers and everything. Somehow, Maria, you made a a, a oh, heck dear. of an impression on your on your one run with us because oh, my you goodness.
1: had. I came in like second to last.
3: <laughs> you have you have three runs on the taichung hash, even though you've only been here once. Somehow you have three runs. I'm looking through the stats and I'm like, I'm I'm going to guess the person who does the hash cash and everything. Somebody showed up who <laughs> looked a
1: little like her.
3: American girl looks sort of like her. I think it Just was Maria. Barely. Yeah. Probably
1: her. Oh. Was so Hunter you have three.
0: Ah, it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's. it's I, I would kind of put the filter on and go, well, it would seem likely that if Carrie and Kevin weren't there and Hunter wasn't there, Maria probably wasn't there, but how, what, you have you, have, you have three runs it, now. Anyway. Yeah. Well,
1: Cause I did the, yeah. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> maybe it's like a, uh, how when you first moved out there, one of Hunter's favorite stories is how one couple asked to have their picture taken with him. Cause they thought he looked like a rock star.
3: Looked like a rock star. Yeah. He does look like a rock star. He absolutely was absolutely rocking it yeah.
1: but he was a hot commodity in let him in have
3: taiwan. it he
1: was a hot commodity in taiwan let me tell you he was, diff- he was
3: different he, he was i mean different. and it's it doesn't happen as often now but the random hey take your picture it happened to kacha as well um just the random can i take mom. a picture with you yeah, yeah. no I Oh, you're right. Carrie just reminded me. we were hiking last week, and it happened. We stopped yeah. and got a picture. I forgot about that. That is. I was weird. looking my best that day too. <laughs> oh, food just arrived. Ooh. It is uh, something blueberry eat, coffee crumble. Oh, that sounds really good. So it looks hot. It looks good. <laughs> Maria, Actually, you remember? I'm going to give them up.
2: You remember Austin Holiday, right? Yes. So he did his IQP in Hong Kong. Okay. And you can picture Austin; he's like big. Yeah. He's actually not that tall, but his like wingspan is huge. He looks like an NBA player.
1: For the people, (laughs) yeah. For the people who don't know who Austin Holiday is, uh, he is a not like Ryan said, not very tall, but a very bulky uh, fellow. He's muscular. He's in shape. Yes, he's he's an athlete.
2: He was a uh, very—I don't know if he has any school records left in the four by in some relays, but he was a very fast sprinter. Yes. -hmm. He
1: he was so large he couldn't run on an indoor track. He (laughs) didn't—if you—he didn't quite fit on it. Fit in the lane. Yeah. he would get to towards the uh, the end of the straightaway and he would be like motoring his arms to like the side like push like trying to push his body gaining momentum so he could go around the curve like that's how large he was anyways yeah. he was in hong kong that must he be- was in hong
2: kong and like he was with andrew zayak and they
0: <laughs>
1: were just
2: like sitting somewhere in like a bench and someone <laughs> came over and just like no, didn't even ask. Was like just taking pictures of them and then, like, walked away. Yeah. And then Andrew was like, "That was weird." And then he looks at Austin, <laughs> and Austin was like, "They had been there for weeks." And he's like, "This happens, happens to me like ev- all, all day, time. every day." <laughs> all the time.
3: Yeah.
1: I and- I'm tired of my celebrity status. I'm yeah, no longer can- huge, yeah. Japan.
3: <laughs> I'm not like huge Japan. I'm no longer huge fan I'm huge Hong Kong. I'm huge in um, Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Car- Carrie, Carrie winds up, uh, somehow she exudes the mom vibe.
0: She always holds
3: the baby. She always holds the babies. We, have, um, we actually stopped in a, a restaurant that we know here. And they, the chef recently had a baby. That baby is two months old, three months old, somewhere in there. And <laughs> Carrie walks in last night. We're, we're walking by and I just saw the chef sitting there. And so stop, check in. And she walks in and um, Ruby just turns and hands carry the baby. It's like, (laughs) we haven't even said hi yet. Just (laughs) hands carry the baby. And the baby's kind of looking at her. And this is not the first time this Carrie's wound up (laughs) with this baby. And the baby kind of does a few minutes of, yeah, you're not mom. Uh, I (laughs) I want mom. Starts crying. It it was just kind of getting a little fuss and Carrie hands her back. But we had a, at a hash, we had a meal, after, frequently after the hash, we'll have a meal, especially if we we're out kind of in the stick somewhere. And we were at this restaurant and there was our hash group of you know, 20 people or whatever in one end. And then there was kind of a side room that had you know, 15 people. And it was, looked like mostly a family in there. And we're all at the dinner. You had to walk past this other group for the bathroom or to get beers or whatever. Carrie comes back with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where did you get a baby? (laughs) Why do you have a baby? And it turns out this was the family was having, so it's very traditional here. When the baby's born, mom will go most often with husband's mom Mm -hmm. will go off for a month and it's, you don't wash your hair. uh, You're only supposed to eat certain foods. And there's a bunch of very traditional things that go on. But dad is basically, you're not involved for the first month at all. So this was the party they were having for this, this family, introducing them all to the baby. And this Western woman comes walking over and goes, oh, he's so cute, hoka oh, I." And they're like handing Carrie the baby. Carrie's getting her picture taken with the bear, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and she's walking around with the baby. It was, it was it's still, that's a, that's a memorable beer mom moment. Um, and we found, and afterwards, talking to people in the restaurant, they're like, yeah, that's like the mayor. <laughs>
1: It's, the wow. baby.
3: it's it's the mayor's grant it's the mayor's first grandchild oh my oh, god wow. and so these are all the pictures that carries <laughs> in holding holding yet another baby
1: wow she's in a photo album somewhere
3: somewhere she's in a photo and album.
1: Like, and here is a random european woman
2: with yeah. baby. town, <laughs> town hall town hall photo album
3: town, town hall photo album is yeah. <laughs> Carrie and the baby um who is you know the baby's 12 now or 11 or whatever
1: it's like, um, yes, and here's that random, here's that random woman who held me for like an afternoon.
3: Random random woman just showed up and then never <laughs> saw her again. But you know, it's it's the whole you yeah, what, what what you people know people know you're different and in general they're curious. And a lot of times if you just if you're able to roll with it, it can be fun. You have some fun interactions <laughs> with people. Yeah. And occasionally you get to, I'm pretty sure I scarred a child Uh, Christmas Eve, we were going to dinner. Before we went to dinner at at a friend's restaurant, we went to, there's a place in the city where they put up a whole bunch of holiday lights, bunch of Christmas lights and dancing fountains with lights. It's just a a cool thing in the city. And we walk through it and it's, you know, the thousands of people type thing. And as we're coming back out of it, so masks are coming off and stuff because you're getting out of the crowd end there was one tunnel we went through kind of an underpass and there was this little kids were playing they're jumping up and down this wall having fun and one who's she's probably i don't know three or four pretty little and i'm wearing a santa hat because it's christmas a red jacket gray beard and she jumps off the wall turns and looks and she just went (laughs) she just froze for those of you who are
1: because it is a it's a it's audio yeah kevin just went eyes went wide and he just pointed
3: pointed (laughs) she just stood there staring at me
1: (laughs) she's like oh my god
3: it's santa (laughs) and so just you know hello and kept going and i thought (laughs) yeah i just scarred some child some child's like "Uh uh-oh big western guy will just randomly show up somewhere (laughs) And I don't look that much like Santa. Let's put it that way. There's, there's yeah. a gray beard, but I, I don't look that much.
1: You have all of the criteria. You're Big Western.
3: Western. You're white, yeah. You're
1: wearing red. You've Got a hat, and you're wearing red.
3: Close <laughs> enough.
1: Close enough.
2: I don't know if this is a ignorant question, but I have no idea what the answer is. Is Santa a white guy in all
3: cultures? I- that's like, actually interesting. Yeah. You don't not always. Um okay. even in the German even in the German heritage uh, there's He's parts of that are not. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it, what, what's in the story it's the 5 to 7 black men. And it's just six like to,
0: 6 to
1: 8 six, black six
3: to eight, that's right, 6 to 8 black men and you're like this is not part of the story I've heard but it's part of the German tradition. Hmm. Um, it's one of my here
1: my about Santa
3: yeah, here, here the the Santa in general is still portrayed. It's the very much the European image of Santa, mm-hmm. the Coca Cola really, image, the Coca Cola image. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: he he still like is a bishop. I'd say still has that bit. Yeah,
3: kind of has that kind of mm-hmm. has that look to him. But um, he's got his six to
1: eight black men
3: coming along <laughs> to get the bad children. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> we we have a, a a different friend here who. He gets hired by the local, one of the big local department stores every year to play Santa. And so, somewhere around late October or whenever, he just grows his beard out and his Mm. beard is white, white. And he goes and he plays Santa. And it's, he's an older Canadian guy. He's, uh, I don't know, he's probably in his his 70s and he looks the part. And (laughs) they bring him in. But yeah, that's to, to answer your question in general, the image here, at least in Asia, is is a very is a very european image
1: mm. anglican there Ang- anglican
3: yeah it's yeah. very yeah it's it's that is the image so mm. yeah but it's not not everywhere
1: mm. oh i mean uh, if you want to know good. about great christmas <laughs> traditions you got to check out iceland and their christmas cat
3: christmas cat, christmas cat yeah okay
1: the christmas cat uh so in iceland If I remember this correctly, in like the little blurb I read, you get clothes on Christmas. Like all the children get new clothes on Christmas. And if you're not seen wearing them, the Christmas cat will eat you. The end. It's a giant cat. It eats you (laughs) if you don't wear your new clothes. Um,
3: That sounds like something the worst aunt ever made up. She's the the one who got you. The (laughs) one who always got you the sweater you're never going to wear.
1: Yeah. The cat (laughs) will eat you trenched in like fey lore so Mm -hmm. you still have the trolls and you still have like krampus like krampus is still pretty german but Mm -hmm. uh, in iceland you've got they've got a whole like lore about krampus's like mother and like her and she's like this giant troll with like a long tail and she carries egg sacks and she's been married twice the first one she ate. <laughs> it, is,
0: yeah.
1: it is happens. it is the like I, the the lore behind Krampus is ten times more fascinating than Santa will ever be. And yeah. More. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Going into like, and then you go into like the stuff like Black Pete in Denmark. Mm-hmm. That then you just go okay. Now we now this is where we go no.
3: It's gone to a different world, but I mean, (laughs) it's, it's interesting to be somewhere where, so Santa is its own thing. Christmas has a religious and a secular part to it. And Christmas is definitely is, is a thing here. It's not a holiday, but you still go around and it's Christmas decorations everywhere for, you know, for that period, but it's very much the, the more secular side of it. It's the more commercial, the Santa Claus, the gift giving, um, that part of it. And it has a different feel to it, but it's it's a very European, well, not even European, it's an American image here. Part of that is uh, Taiwan's got a lot of connections back to the US, where, where I sit right now is I'm on the edge of where there used to be uh, U.S. military housing. Actually, Uzo, the restaurant we were talking about earlier, that's in old, it's old officer duplexes. Hmm. They, they're oh. mostly commercial buildings now, but they are built in the 60s when there was an Air Force presence here in Taiwan for, for the U.S. And it's a lot of the cultural things that have been acquired here have come from the U.S. Um, there's also... You know, as different projects happen and different groups are here for a while, you get different influences. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's mostly, today I would say it's mostly American influences here. American and Canadian. I'll throw a bone to my Canadian friends. Uh, There are actually more Canadians Canadians living in Taiwan than Americans. But, oh wow, they're sort of just like us. Yeah, except
1: (laughs) they're more polite. Or no, they're more passive aggressive.
3: Well, these are the ones that left. So you never know. Uh, yeah, they—they—they're
1: yeah. like, they, they, like, I can't wait to show all my show the middle fingers to everybody. I get to be rude.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different a different thing here, but yeah, there's more Canadians than Americans here right now.
1: I think on that note, we're gonna we're definitely gonna, we're gonna give you a nice big thank you for regaling us with these stories. Okay, no
2: problem. It's been
1: quite fun. We've been enjoying this. Oh, well, um, and
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, th- thanks, Kevin. This is awesome. Uh, well, thank le- you. Learned a ton, laughed a ton. I'm going to put that on my wall.
3: <laughs> Good. And, uh, um, yeah. Well, and, and thank you. I, it was an enjoyable, and for my case, Sunday morning. You're, you guys, <laughs> on Saturday night. Yeah. Yep. An interesting, interesting way to uh, to spend the morning. And mm-hmm. this is way more relaxed than my American Chamber of Commerce speech yeah. will be in. How'd it go?
2: Days. Oh, oh it happened hasn't yet? happened yet. Oh, okay. Gotcha.
3: So somebody asked me yesterday, uh, they're, they're like, hey, that you're doing your speech. Yeah, it's coming up. Oh, where will that be? And I'm looking at them and I said, that information is available both on their website and in Compass Magazine, the expat magazine, because it occurs to me, I don't actually know where I'm doing this speech. That's an
1: excellent question. I'll get, you know what? I'm going to go look that up.
3: That is an excellent question that someone knows the answer to. <laughs>
1: And I will get to it presently. soon. Yeah. soon. So,
3: uh, is your speech written? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's what next week is for. That's <laughs> what next week is for. Well, good so anyway. anyway, thank you. And thank you. And enjoy your the rest of your evenings. And then enjoy Sunday. Yeah. Thank you.